This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel Tower Joining us now is a very special guest, a former senior advisor to President Donald Trump. Uh, he has written a new book that is now number one on the New York Times list, the Wall Street Journalist, and he was number one on Amazon for a while as well, a lot of number ones. Uh, his new book is uh, called Breaking History, a White House Memoir. Uh, please join me in welcoming Jared Kushner, a uh, former senior advisor to President Donald Trump, uh, to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. So, Jared, uh, first of all, congratulations to you. I am sure that the recognition that you are getting in terms of people who want to read your book uh, certainly counters a lot of the negative stuff that the media tried to write. But you get to put truth to the lot to the lie. All right. Well, the, first of all, it's great to be with you, Judge Janine. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've learned over time there's definitely gravity in the world and, and cream rises and, you know, what mm. sinks. But I think that uh, what happened was is. The American people saw that over four years, a lot of things got done. Uh, the media kept predicting that everything Trump would do would end in a disaster. They said if he was elected, we'd have World War III, and he ended up making you know several peace deals. They said that the economy would be in a recession, and it was booming, and the wealth gap, wealth gap was shrinking. Energy prices uh, were low, and, and wages were rising. And so I, I really tried to write a book that shows people what it was like to be inside the administration next to President Trump, working on all of these things, and then how these things got done in, in a very complicated Washington that was trying to resist President Trump and a lot of his policies. Oh, yeah, it was almost immediate. But I have to tell you, the book, Jared Kushner, Breaking History, a White House memoir, is a fascinating book. And of course, Jared, the first thing I did was go to the pictures. I imagine a lot of people do. And I just want my listeners to know there are pictures in this. And, uh, you know, the, the, the one of the things that uh, that we'll talk about in a minute is 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 Ivanka. But I really want to get into you had mentioned some some of the uh, uh, the agreements and the accords that you had. Um, you were the grandson of a Holocaust uh, of Holocaust survivors, and uh, you worked on the Abraham Accords, and 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 it was a phenomenal tribute to the effort that you made and and the President Trump made. And now we have a president who is calling MAGA Republicans, seventy three, seventy four million people who voted for Donald Trump, semi fascist. That has to kind of cut you in a in a very unique way. You know, I, I'm kind of used to it at this point because they've been calling Trump and his supporters that uh, ever since he really started running. So I, unfortunately, I'm a little numb to it, uh, but that doesn't make it any more ridiculous than, than, than it is. And, you know, working uh, obviously on the Abraham Accords, it gave me the ability to meet people from both sides and kind of like the division that our current president is 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 stoking right now with his rhetoric. Uh, you mm-hmm. had big divisions that had, were between the Israelis and, and the Muslims and the Arabs uh, that were based on leaders kind of misleading their people and trying to, you know, blame, uh, subvert, uh, try to deflect from their own shortcomings by blaming, by scapegoating uh, another group of people. And so that mm-hmm. was what we took on in the Middle East. And by by speaking with the leaders of, of Israel, Bibi Netanyahu, who is a tremendous leader, and, yes. and speaking with uh, Mohammed bin Salman and, and Mohammed bin and Zayed from the UAE and, and, and all those different leaders, we were able to get people to come together on how do we move forward to improve the lives of our people. And that's actually what we should be doing now in America is that the leader uh, should be you know, trying to bring people together to figure out how can we bring in economic policies that will help people you know, have a better life instead of policies that are going to raise people's gas prices 
and, uh, and, and lead to you know, massive inflation where food and everything is, is going up. And in the meantime, is foreign policy, whereas Trump left the world with, with peace. Now you have a mm-hmm. war in Europe. China's being provocative. The, the pullout in Afghanistan, where now the Taliban are in charge, is an absolute disaster. And it's all because of, of weakness and, and just, quite frankly, terrible management. Well, you know, as someone who, you know, worked uh, on the Abraham Accords and uh, obviously, you know, they were historic. The world has changed, as you just mentioned. How how different is it? And when you look at the world now with a war in Europe and, you know, the disastrous uh, exit from Afghanistan, you know, you've got to you've got to think about the impact and how America stands on the world stage now compared to when uh, your father-in-law was the president. Right. So that's actually part of the reason why I wrote the book is I wanted people to have a real understanding of what it was like to be inside the White House and in the room with President Trump when he was negotiating with Vladimir Putin or President Xi of China and how he inherited a world, especially in the Middle East, that had a lot of complexities. If you remember in 2016, ISIS had a caliphate the size of Ohio. Right. You had right. uh, terrorists and extremists, you know, people being radicalized online here in America. You had the San Bernardino shooting, the Pulse nightclub mm-hmm. shooting in Orlando. And this was a real issue. And President Trump didn't run away from the issue or start scapegoating others. He ran right to the issue. And I really tried to bring people into how that occurred, because there's a lot of things that happened behind the scenes that made it happen. And, you know, what I what that leaves me with today is that you know, this stuff can be fixed very quickly. You have to get the career politicians out of the way. But unfortunately, you know, President Trump cleaned up a lot of the messes that were left by both the Democrats and the Republicans who came before him. Uh, but all of the, the career politicians are back in charge right now. And that's why you're seeing all of these you know, terrible problems, uh, you know, developing. Well, you know, before the midterms, Jared, you know, we're seeing a division in this country. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it like this before. Uh, and Joe Biden came in as a uniter. You know, he was going to be the, quote, adult in the room. And uh, America is more divided than ever domestically. Uh, and what is it going to take if a president is literally ginning up even more division by calling not just a political opponent, but the people who voted for someone who isn't even his opponent at this point? And we'll get to that issue in a minute. Um, you know, how do we heal? How does America? America's tired of this. You know, this Joe Biden gets up every day when he does work. And I understand he spent 30, 40 percent of his time on vacation in Delaware. I mean, how do we get the country back? back together. Right. So I, I think that it's it's definitely achievable. We have an amazing country with amazing people. But unfortunately, people right now are, are very much in their own echo chambers. And, you know, I can relate to that because, you know, before the campaign, I was in an echo chamber on the Upper East Side. I thought it was a pretty diverse place where I was getting different points of view. But I, I talk about in the book my journey of traveling with President Trump across the country, going to Springfield, Illinois for the first rally that he invited me to. We show up uh, at the arena, and um, and the the person who's greeting him says, "Congratulations, you've broken the 36 year record." He says, "From who?" He says, "Elton John." He turns to me and says, "Well, imagine if I had a guitar, how much better I'd do even with that." <laughs> and so we go in there, and nobody knew yeah. who I was. So I was able to walk around, and 
you know, again, if you, you know, you talk about how they're labeling people as fascists. That's basically what CNN was doing to a lot of the Trump supporters, even then in 2015. And I walked around and I, I really got to meet people and, and listen to them and saw that they were just hardworking Americans who felt like the government wasn't representing them. And so, uh, well, again, I, I hope by seeing this book, having spent four years in government and one year on the campaign trail with with Donald Trump yeah. beforehand, mm-hmm. people will get to see that there is a lot more nuance to the issue, and we have to do better at reaching out to people who disagree with us. And there were several instances of how Donald Trump was able to achieve uh, incredible bipartisan accomplishments. And I write about that in the book, whether it was the USMCA trade deal, which had over 85 votes in the Senate, or the criminal justice reform, which had the same. And those were really breakthrough policies where he was able to bring people together. And I think that that's what we need in this country more of now, but it doesn't happen by demonizing. And I do think that the reason why they demonize him to the degree that they do is because he's an outsider. He's not a politician. Uh, he's a businessman. He's results driven. And his policies were really good. And I think they saw him as an existential threat to their power. You know, somebody not from Washington coming into Washington and not playing by their rules. Well, clearly uh, they were threatened by him immediately, Jared. It was it was as though, you know, there was a spell that was cast over everyone like Donald Trump. We have to get rid of Donald Trump. We don't like Donald Trump. It's almost like, you know, you you have a gang, uh, you know, like a, an organized gang. And they're like, this guy's not from the gang. We have to get rid of him. And in the end, I think that 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 what we saw was a president who pulled back the veil and at the same time then decided uh uh, you know, that he was going to clean up the swamp. And, you know, he did to the extent that he could. But in terms of fentanyl, I just want to talk about this for a second. When the when when President Trump was in office, he he built that wall. And now they're estimating two point three million people have already come through from the time Joe Biden came into office. What do you think? And I know you can't get into Joe Biden's head, but what do you think is the, the, the genesis of this? What do they think? How many will be enough? before they close the border? Or is it just going to be, you know, a globalist landing spot, America? Yeah, so I actually, I, I write in the book about how the wall got built. It was probably one of the hardest challenges of the Trump administration because the opposition saw it as a symbol of Trump delivering on his promises and being mm-hmm. able to protect America, and they didn't want him to do it at, at any measure. So it was a massive battle. There was the longest government shutdown in history about it, and, and several people failed. You know, for the first two years, Steve Bannon and John Kelly had the job to do it. Neither of them got it done. So President Trump, right. I write about how he called me in to do it and how by the end he got a lot of the wall built. Uh, because it was so successful, the migratory pattern started changing, and he commissioned even more wall, which when Joe Biden came in – and by the way, when President Trump left, border crossings were at a historic low, low meaning that he that's solved right. a lot of the problem. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden came in the first day. They undid everything that Trump did. And I don't know if they did it because they believed in the policies or they just reflectively thought that anything Trump did was bad, but it's led to an absolute humanitarian catastrophe. And again, my, my politics were much more centrist before I got involved with the campaign, and I yes. think they are. I think they're based on common sense, but the notion of a wall to protect your sovereignty is something that's that's common sense. And then when you learn about the, the people who are, are smuggled by these coyotes and, and these cartels up through 80 percent of the women are sexually uh, abused right. while they're, they're brought up. And then a lot of the people who come into this country because they don't have green cards are effectively put into human slavery. And so there, there's a lot of humanitarian crises that are being caused because of this really misguided policy. It makes absolutely no sense. I, again, I even my most liberal friends and I, I still you know talk with them and I try to ask them. 
And I try to have them explain to me they were so critical of Trump's border policy, why they're okay with Biden's policy. And basically what, what did they tell, tell me, you? You know, oh, they say, I'm burnt out. I just don't want to talk about politics anymore. I say, wait, that's not fair. For four years, every single thing you were tweeting about and talking about, and now you're, quote, burnt out and don't want to talk about politics. So yeah. I think a lot for a lot of people is about like, you know, fitting into a club or, or trying to be in the right social circle. And I, I feel badly that they have to, you know, uh, they have to kind of do all these illogical things in order to, uh, you know, in order to to, to, to to kind of pose for their friends. Yeah. And to justify, you know, their their former standing on, on a lot of this. And, and uh, you know, the president obviously is in the news again, the former President Trump, uh, you know, filing uh, his response to the prosecution's papers, Department of Justice. And I, I, I thought it was it was somewhat humorous when he talks about uh, the Department of Justice saying that he has no standing to object to the Raid and uh, uh, of Mar-a-Lago, and people uh, are offended by the word raid. I know what a raid is. A raid is what happened at Mar-a-Lago when they come in at six in the morning, guns are blazing, blow up a safe, and take over the the you know all of Mar-a-Lago. That's a raid. Uh, but the the idea that the government is saying you don't have standing, uh, former President Trump, to object to this, uh, and it you know the classic standing is if things are taken from you, or they come into your house under the Fourth Amendment and seize things, that you you have standing and it's almost as though they're 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 interested in in making sure that they destroy this president no matter what the cost and the constitution be damned and let's just damn the torpedoes and go after him i mean they're not letting this go jared how does he feel about that and will he run again yeah so first of all it's it's driving him really crazy seeing what a bad <laughs> job they're doing with the country right you know if you think about it again just the economy he had the economy roaring the Wealth gap was shrinking. Gas prices were low. Inflation was low. Wages were rising. He made incredible trade deals. Manufacturing was starting to come back to this country. Um, and uh, and again, we had a peaceful world. And he's watching how in just a year and a half, uh, inflation's off the charts. Gas oh, prices have gone up nearly double. And you have you know wars all over the place. And so uh, so so first of all, it's really bothering him seeing that. And again, if you go through my book, uh, Breaking History, I write about all the policies, how he got these things done. And if he wasn't a competent president who didn't achieve great results, and again, he did them in an unconventional way, and I explained to people in the book how he did that, then, you know, it's a different argument. But I do think they see him as a threat, right? He leaves Washington, he packs his boxes, or somebody packs his boxes for him, and uh, and he leaves. And then basically they, they impeach him. They try to impeach him after Uh, After he leaves, then they're doing investigations, you know, in New York as to whether he's worth, you know, more or less money than he says. I I guess, you know, his his assets are worth even more than was in the statements, even though nobody lost money. They're making him spend money to do that. uh, They're then holding primetime hearings about how bad he is. All the you know, then they're they're raiding his house over paperwork. And by the way, if they were concerned about information there that shouldn't be public, now that they've done this public raid, there's way more interest from the New York Times and, and every place else on what was in those documents. So so they've, yep. they've elevated themselves. And this seems like something that's paperwork. So after accusing him of treason, I write in my book about <laughs> the Russian investigation and then, you know, which for two years was was crazy. I write about, uh, you know, obviously all the media attacks and I write about 
uh, the impeachment, where basically he tried to investigate corruption in Ukraine, uh, which he turned out to be oh, right about, and they impeached yes. him for that. And so it's the same people doing the same thing in the same way, leaking the same things to the same sources. And I think you just see it over and over again. And so, you know, look, it's, it's almost like he's like this uh, – this uh, this this ex girlfriend that these guys can't quit. They can't get they just, past. They keep, <laughs> they keep wanting him to be in the news, and they keep you know. It's almost like you know he he left Washington, and they don't want him to leave. And so, yeah. but again, I I think it's because they see that when a businessman comes to Washington, somebody who's not beholden to anybody and who does things in an unconventional way, um, that that's a threat to the career politicians, well, and and that's, no that's really what we've seen. There's no question. And 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 finally, um, you talk about in your book, Breaking History, you talk about Ivanka as your rock. I mean, clearly, it, it, she is a brilliant woman. Uh, she is stunning. Uh, your children are beautiful, Theodore, Joseph and Arabella. Uh, she was able uh, to do it all in, in, a, in an incredible, incredibly fast paced, crazy, stressful environment. Talk about her for a second. Yeah, so she she's an amazing person and somebody who did a lot of good. She had a, a great business, and we had obviously a great life in New York before her father ran for president. And uh, when her father won, she gave up her business to go and focus on the mission. She did a lot of amazing work to help she Americans uh, get an opportunity for better jobs through reskilling programs. She was working uh, overseas to get countries that had laws that would prohibit women from owning properties or having jobs to change that. And she was successful in many, cha- in many instances. Uh, she helped her father get tax reform passed. She did a lot of incredible things, all while being an incredible mother to our children and, and a really uh, strong wife for me. And- well, yeah, the, the book is an excellent book, everyone. Jared Kushner, Breaking History, a number one uh, on, a lot of, uh, on a lot of lists. And it is very interesting to read the book, folks, because uh, Jared Kushner literally puts you right next to the president and a lot of the things that went on. And you do it in such a rational, sensible way, uh, Jared. You have, a, you have a wonderful way about you. So we thank you for being on the, uh, on the show today. And my Much continued luck and regards to everyone at home. Jared Kushner, Breaking History. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Janine. Great to be with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care.